Just a couple of you, okay. Hallelujah. This Wednesday night, I have full intentions to sit and teach and talk to you about what the Lord is telling me. I'm serious, I really do. I know y'all think that. But I want to continue. We've been in our series of Nehemiah, building for the future. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We've been looking at the recipe of how God uses somebody to establish something for legacy. Do you know that out of Nehemiah's walls that have been built, that you can still go to Jerusalem to this day and place your hand on sections of the wall that are there in Israel? And it's an understanding that when God gets behind something to build it, that there's a longevity of things. There's life behind it. One of the greatest things that I've been convicted of in building lately, spiritually, is an understanding that what we are establishing and building here at Dominion Church is for longevity. It's for life. It's for things that continue on. Recently, even, I was talking to Pastor Jamie and said, you know, there's some things that we need to even look at in the ministry because uh, for the length of things. Y'all, I'm trying to build something here in the name of Jesus that our children's children's children, if the Lord so tarries, are occupying and laboring behind and establishing. And You know, it's amazing. Yeah, we started this ministry five years ago, but I'm believing that if the Lord tarries, it be here in 50 years from now, and 500 years from now. Come on, somebody. So we're not looking to build a, a store that comes and goes. We're not looking for another trend or even a movement. We're looking to build something of legacy here. But I want to talk to you tonight because I truly believe that if you're going to build for the future, there's, there's two concepts that I want to talk to you about tonight from the book of Nehemiah that we're going to pull out of chapters 2, 3, and 4. For those of you that don't know, this, this series has been a Bible study. And I'll be honest with you, Wednesday nights I'm usually shucking the corn and slinging the oil, preaching, but I've really wanted to build and go through a book of the Bible and so that's what we're doing in Nehemiah. But there's two concepts I want to talk to you about tonight, and those two concepts are two powerful concepts, and they are the concept of opposition and delegation. Two powerful concepts that you will learn in your life if you're ever going to build anything for the future is you will have to learn how to work through opposition. Y'all real quiet. Maybe you've had one of those hellacious weeks like I've had, and that's why you're so quiet. Or, you're going to have to realize the power of delegation. Somebody say, I can't do it all. Yeah, some of y'all been saying that lately. I just can't do it all. But there is a powerful concept in the kingdom of synergy that one puts a thousand of like two, ten thousand, and that there is power in numbers. This kingdom is an understanding that that many hands make light work indeed. And God intended to use the concept of delegation. Watch this. Is Jesus Lord? Is Jesus Lord? If Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings and sovereign over all things, 
Don't you understand that by one command he could have said and spoken and saved us all. He could have done every work. There would have never been another sermon preached. There would have never had to been another church service held because he's Lord of lords. He, he's king of kings. He sits high and looks low. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. But in God's great plan, God said it's not good for man to be alone. Now watch this. Even in God's understanding that singularity though can get things done God said let us make man in our image watch watch God said I don't want to do it alone Jesus comes and preaching and what does he do he gathers 12 disciples and what does he begin to do delegate the work of the ministry onto those people Ephesians 4 says and these gifts have been given apostles prophets pastors evangelists and teachers why for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry and so we understand revelatory that God did not want to do it alone Jesus didn't want to do it alone and the church doesn't want to do it alone so we have to understand, yes, we are going to face opposition, but even in the face of opposition, there's a very powerful concept of delegation. Matter of fact, can I tell you something? that I believe true leadership is born out of opposition. Yes. Nehemiah's leadership, we're going to see tonight, really doesn't even begin to shine until the haters show up. By God, I'm going to help somebody tonight. I'm going to try to talk us through this thing without spitting on too many people. But let me remind you, there's not a problem that God cannot solve. And a problem with no opposition, watch this, a problem when there's no opposition, then there's no need for leadership. Leadership is needed in the face of opposition. Watch this, it's a leadership. It's a leading ship. What are leaders? Leaders are ships that lead. A leader is somebody that's carrying something. Come on, somebody. A leader is somebody that has vision. A leader is somebody that has goods. A leader is somebody that's carrying something that needs to be transported into other people's lives. But what we have to understand is ships don't always sail on calm seas. Ships don't always sail on smooth waters. Real ships know how to sail through the storms. Real ships know how to move through the waves. The Bible tells me that there was a ship and Jesus was asleep in the bottom of it. And while he was asleep in the bottom of it, his disciples asked him, Master, don't you carry, care that we perish? And what we understand is the boat, the boat was still silent, even through the storm. And so we have to understand that God will put leaders in your life, especially how to navigate through turmoil and trial and opposition. Tonight, as we indulge into Nehemiah, we will find that Nehemiah's leadership really shows up and shines in the face of the people that hate him and don't want to see the work going forward. Can I tell you something that everybody sits at your table doesn't care if you eat? Can I tell you something that the people that have gathered around what you're doing, some are not there to celebrate, some are waiting for you to fall off the wall. You will have to learn how to, you'll have to, watch this, well, let me help ministries in the house tonight. You'll have to learn how to lead. I'll have to learn how to preach in front of people that hate me. If you're going to lead worship, you'll have to learn how to lead worship in front of people that hate you. 
If you're going to pastor and tend people, you're going to have to learn how to hold hands with people that are carrying knives in their other hand. I came to help somebody tonight. Your leadership will be born in the face of opposition. Oils have to, uh, watch this, olives have to be crushed to produce oil. Anyways, so Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 9 tells us how Nehemiah really prepared. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 9. So I went to the governors of trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. Remember, he got lumber and letters, right? Okay. He got supplies and safety. And the king, he got structure and safety. And the king had also sent an army officers and cavalry with me. Verse 10. When Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Amnite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed. One translation says they were very angry that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. No, we don't need to go there. Turn that one off. You shut the verses down. Thank you. Watch. Watch this, watch this. You need to catch this. They did not get mad until somebody was doing something. And when they, they got mad, watch this, watch this, watch this. You, you need to catch what verse 10 said. It said, and when they saw that it was happening, they became angry that somebody was coming to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Watch this. Some people are okay with you being busted and disgusted. Some people are okay with you being broken down and destroyed. Some are okay with you battling the spirit of depression. Some are okay with you dealing with the poverty mindset and living in it. Because as long as you are broke down, as long as you are busted, as long as you are depleted, then you will never be of any competition to them. Can I tell you, not everybody wants to see you get well. They liked you when you were hurting. They liked you when you were crying. They liked you when you were battling in your discouragement. They loved you when you were suicidal. They loved you when you were broken and crying and talking about how you don't know if you can make it anymore. But now that you're standing on your own two feet, now that you got your dance back, now that you're singing again, now that you're preaching again, they ain't got nothing to say. They mad. See, Nehemiah overcame opposition, though. Watch this. How did Nehemiah overcome the opposition? Verse 9 tells us. Go back to verse 9. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 9. So I went to the governors of Trans Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. My God, catch that. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Nehemiah, hey, Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Nehemiah was prepared for opposition. Woo! Let me tell you where the church messed up. Let me tell you where she backed up. Is she thought you were just going to come and move forward and you're going to start taking devil's territory and you're going to start binding demons and you're going to start seeing revival and you're going to start seeing the move of God and then all of a sudden you act like you're surprised. <laughs> you're going to do a work for the Lord and then be surprised when the devil comes knocking on your door. And then you act surprised that he's at the door. 
I just went to the door and the devil's there. Of course the devil's at your door. You've been leading the prayer meeting. You've been lifting the arms of your leader. Of course the devil's at your door. You've been fasting and praying. You've been seeking. Of course the devil's at your door. But watch this, watch this. Verse 9 tells me that Nehemiah came. He came carrying the king's letter. Hey, 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 hey. He had been, watch this, he had been prepared for opposition. If you're going to build anything for the Lord, you better build your life on the word of God so that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up the standard against them that what thus saith the word of the Lord, let every man be a liar, but let God's word be true. See, we got to be prepared. We got to be prepared for opposition. Jesus comes in Matthew 3 and he's led into the wilderness by the Spirit of the Lord to be tried and tested for 40 days where the, where the devil, Lucifer himself, would show up and everything that the enemy combats him with, Jesus fights back with the Word. And the reason why the church is defeated is because she has not properly stewarded herself nor prepared herself in the Word. It's how you get people that live for God for three months and then they quit. See, they got in church. They got in worship. They got in children's church. They got in nursery. But they never got in the Word. And then we surprised that they gone. They gone because David said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against. It's not just about you getting in the word. It's about getting the word inside of you. Let me tell you something about this book. You don't read it. It reads you. He prepared for resistance. Can I tell you something? How do you fight opposition? You fight prepared. You fight prepared. I'm going to show you in Nehemiah's case tonight how he really faced the opposition and how he fought it. All right, verse 19. Let's go on. Watch this. Verse 19. Chapter 2, verse 19. But when Sanballat the Hornite, Tobiah the Amorite, the official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? Go on to the next verse. And so I answered them and I said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you will have no heritage, nor will you have any right. One translation says your name won't even be mentioned in the memorial of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. God promises in Romans 8 and 28 to turn your opposition into opportunity. Nehemiah, watch this. I love this. Watch this. The Bible says that Sanballat, Tobiah, and and go back to verse 19. I'm sorry. I forgot the other guy's name. Verse 19. Sanballat, and then you've got Tobiah, and then you've got Geshem. All three of them. You know what's amazingly funny? I got to teach on this just for a second. Do you understand that if you if you study the biblical culture of this day, that Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem were all enemies? Don't you love being the very thing that unifies your haters? Don't you love being the one that gets them all together for coffee? Don't you love being the one they couldn't get together until they found a commonality and the commonality was hating you and what you're doing? 
Oh, you, oh, you teaching tonight, sir. You teaching tonight. You serve God long enough, you'll find out people that hate you will find other people that hate you just so they can hate you together. <laughs> I'm half mad and half anointed tonight. Glory to God. But what you will find out is you, God will use you. Watch this. He will use the opposition to become your opportunity. Oh, Jesus. See, if you're ready to do something for God, you have to recognize before you ever even start that if you're doing something for God, there will be opposition. The opposition is not against you. It's against the work of the Lord. You're not ready to do anything for God if you think it's going to be easy. My God, I got to teach tonight. You're not ready. You're not ready. Don't say you want to serve God if you think that he's some genie in a bottle that when you rub him the right way, you get on a magic carpet and you fly your happy tail on over to heaven. It ain't that way. This Bible says those that pick up their cross daily and follow, I die to the flesh daily. My dreams die daily. What Kyle wants dies daily so that I can follow him. You're not ready for the opportunity of God until you are ready to embrace the opposition of the enemy that comes with it. I'm a man of great opportunity. I had many great opportunities. Here's the problem. My opportunities have been publicized. My opposition has been secret. I'm going to help some of y'all. I don't get on Facebook and cry about how bad my life is. See, because I'm smarter than that. Why would I publicize the very thing that I'm bleeding over? Why would I give the Sanballats and the Tobias and the Geshems any more ammo? Oh, my God, some of y'all better learn. You got to be like Nehemiah. You got to learn to walk that wall in the night. You got to learn to go by in silently. You got to learn that, that, that your mouth carries weight of words. And some of y'all get on social media. You pout, you cry, and you give the enemy all the ammunition he needs when you transcribe every problem in your life. You won't know when I buy something, let alone build something. I'm not publicizing it. Come on, somebody. Because I know that every opportunity opens the door on opposition. And opposition handled properly will, will propel opportunity. I'm teaching tonight. Nehemiah chapter 4. We rolling on. We rolling on. Watch this. Watch this. Oh my God, I'm telling you. Because some of y'all dealt with these people before. I don't know. Maybe it ain't Sam Ballant. Maybe it's Sandy. Come on. Maybe it ain't Tobiah. Maybe it's Tamika. Come on, somebody. Maybe, come on. Maybe it's not Geshem. Maybe it's Gertrude. So all of y'all done, y'all all done dealt with these people. I, you can change that. Come on. Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. Let's go, team. Come on. Verse 1. Sam Ballot, watch this. Sam Ballot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. Can I tell you something, Dominion Church? There are people that are plumb mad over what God is doing in this place. I mean, they literally, they sit at their coffee tables and talk about it. They, well, they watch our services just so that they can dialogue them. We love you. You're amazing. 
Lord bless them. Sambalat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. Let me tell you something. If you are doing something for God, not everybody's going to celebrate it. People will clap in your face and talk smack behind your back. And the only reason why they'll clap is because they don't want everyone around to see their sour sucking face. But when they get home, they'll pout, they'll cry, they'll kick, they'll lie, they'll cuss, they'll curse. Come on, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I just got to teach tonight. See, Sam Ballot was very angry when he had learned that they were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage. Let me tell you what the Bible says about those that fly off in fits of rage. The Bible says that they'll go to hell. Oh, y'all real quiet. You, we're not reading the same Bible. Study fits of rage. Study that in your Bible. Watch. It says he flew into a rage and mocked the Jews. Who are the Jews? God's chosen people who God said, I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. Going on, verse 2. Let's roll. We got to go. We got a whole lot of study and a short time to get there. Saying in front of his friends, my God, don't you love that? They won't say it to you. <laughs> they won't say it to you. But they'll say it in front of their friends. And of the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from the rubbish of heat and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Amnite who was standing beside him remarked, that stone would collapse even if even a fox walked along the top of it. And then I prayed. Watch, watch Nehemiah's response. Watch, watch, watch Nehemiah's response. I'm going to teach you tonight how you deal with opposition. Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked, and may their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Verse 5, do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. Verse 6, at last the wall was completed to half of its height around the entire city for the people had worked with enthusiasm. I want you to tell you something. Nehemiah dealt with opposition, but Nehemiah dealt with it and retaliated through something called prayer. Do you catch that? I'm going to help you. I'm going to really help you tonight. So many of you want to deal with your haters. Some of you want to slap them. Some of you want to put your hands on them. Come on, somebody. Y'all know you done said that. At my church, we believe in laying on hands, and I ain't talking about praying for you. <laughs> Trust me, I got a shirt that says half holy, half hood. Pray with me, don't play with me. Come on, somebody. All right, I got that shirt for real. So what I'm telling you, <laughs> don't, don't you pump me up tonight, Sister Shayla. <laughs> Watch this. I had to come back up and find out where I was in my notes. She done distracted me. Watch this. Nehemiah, Nehemiah doesn't let him catch hands. But Nehemiah clasps his. Hear me, oh God. Hear them. We are being mocked. Nehemiah retaliated with prayer. 
So many of us are so quick to jump in our flesh. What would happen if we dealt with the opposition in the spirit? See, the Bible says in Ephesians 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, you can't deal with this thing on the same level. My God. Some of y'all frustrated, some of you aggravated because you're trying to fight this thing toe to toe. God said, I never called you to fight it face to face. I called you to fight it. Behold, you have been seated in heavenly places. You are here. They are here. Don't stoop to their level. Deal with it in prayer. Matter of fact, Jesus came teaching this way. He said, bless those that persecute you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. He came teaching about the concept of the kingdom. And he said, and in doing so, <laughs> and in doing so, it will be like that of heaping ashes. Watch this, not cold ashes, hot ashes upon their head. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You got to catch this teaching. You ever been by a campfire and had a hot ember land on you? Watch this, watch this. The first thing it will do is cause you to move. Oh, I'm about to teach you something right here. When Jesus came teaching and he said, when you pray for those that hate you and you bless those that use you and you speak well of those that lie on you, he said, it's like heaping ashes on their head. What did he say? He said, you're going to put something on them that you thought you'd have to push them out of the way. But when you're good to them, they're going to move out of the way. They're going to, they're going to, ah, my God. It's going to be so hot on them that they ain't going to be able to stand in your presence. It's going to be so hot on them. They ain't going to be able to sit there and talk about you no more. They ain't, it's going to be so hot on them. Mm. See, do something with your anger. Ready? Pray. Pray. See, a lot of us, we think we can't pray when we get mad. But what would happen if you allowed your anger to become the fuel and the fire of what you actually pray with? I know why some of y'all can't pray when you're mad because you're afraid you'll cuss while you're praying. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. That was free from the Holy Ghost. But watch this. Prayer is an emotion. Or excuse me, anger is an emotion. It is. But watch this. The Bible says that we were created in the image of God. You think anger came from sin? Absolutely not. Because the Bible says, be angry and sin not. The Bible tells me that Jesus came into the temple and they were selling, selling sacrifices and they had turned his house of worship and prayer into a den of thieves and robbers. And the Bible says he got so angry, he grabbed a bull whip, flipped over the tables and ran them out. That's my Jesus. But watch, he was angry. He was mad. How can you say that, preacher? Because the Bible tells me that his disciples were reminded of the scripture that zeal for his house had consumed him. In other words, he was passionate. What would happen if you took the emotion of anger? I know you're mad. I know you're hurt. But what would happen if you would channel it in the fervency of prayer? Watch this. Retaliation has no power. In the presence of prayer. How do, how do you get by people that just hate you for no reason? How do you move past those that despitefully use you, criticize you, constantly talk down about you? You're always trying to do something and it seems like all they want to do is be your biggest naysayer. All they want to do is be your biggest critic. They're the sand ballot that shows up at the wall and talks about everything you're doing wrong all the time. Let me tell you what you do. Quit 
feeling like you have to retaliate with your lips and start retaliating in prayer. Allow, watch this, watch this. Allow their criticism to birth your conviction to get back in the prayer closet. Nehemiah said, I'm building, I'm building, I'm doing a great work. I'm building a wall and I can't come down. We're gonna talk about that later on in the series, but I want you to understand something. Nehemiah could have fought. Nehemiah could have got mad. Nehemiah could have got even. But Nehemiah went to prayer. <clears throat> Watch this though. The strategy of a critic, if you're writing this down, I want you to write this down. Strategy of a critic. If you've ever dealt with critics, my God, Kyle Meyer has dealt with critics. You ready? The strategy of a critic. The first thing, how do you know you're in the presence of a critic? Is they will criticize the project. Do y'all really need that big building for a church? What about all these other churches? They're fine. They've only got 100 people and 3,000 square feet. Why can't y'all be satisfied with that? Ooh, I felt that. Some of y'all done heard that. My God. See, when I'm in the spirit, I'll be hearing in the spirit. See, the first thing a critic will do is they will criticize the project. They will show up to talk about what God has shown you and what God has called you to build. And they will show up to try to tear it down with their mouth. But watch this, the next thing that they'll do, if they can't win through the criticism of, of the project, then they'll begin to criticize the people. I can't believe you go to that church. <laughs> Don't say it, Kyle. Just stay sanctified today. Watch this, watch this, watch this. If they, can't, if they can't assassinate the calling, they'll try to assassinate your character. See, if they can't get your hands off of what you're building, they'll try to put their hands on the one that's building it. And see, what you got to understand is when you're dealing with a spirit of a critic, they will first come after the project, then they will come after the people. But if they can't get the project and they can't get the people, the next thing that they will do is they will criticize the prayers. They'll criticize the ministry. They'll criticize the power plant. I can't believe you go down there to that church. They turn all the lights off. You can't see a lick when you walk in there. What are you running, some kind of nightclub? Actually, if you showed up on time, the lights were still on. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 4, he turns the opposition over to God so that he can remain focused on the task at hand. Watch this. I want you to understand something. Your opposition... It's the enemy's opportunity to distract you to, for you to stop building. Catch that, catch that, catch that. Watch this. Remain focused on what matters. Watch this. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1 says, Then Elishib the high priest and the other priest started to rebuild at the sheep gate. Watch. 
I'm going to go through Nehemiah 3. I've got to break this down as we begin to move into delegation. And it says, and they dedicated it, and they set up the doors, building uh, the wall as far as the Tower of a Hundred, which they had dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. And the people from the town of Jericho worked next to them. And beyond them was, was Zechor, the son of Emery, and the fish gate was built by the sons of Hanasiah. And they laid the beams and set up the doors, and they instilled its bolts and bars. Merimath, the son of Uriah, and the grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of the wall and Beside him were Meshulam, the son of Baraka, and the grandson of Meshebeth, or Meshezebel, and the son of Zodak, the son of Banna. And next to them were the people of Tekoa, and through their leaders refused to work with, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors, the old city gate was repaired by Jedi, the son of Pashash, and the Meshulam, son of Bezadai, and they laid the beams and set up his doors and they instilled its bolts and its bars. And what you will find out is as you go through Nehemiah, it is a constant repetition. And there was Justin and Courtney with Brooklyn. And there was Kyle and Jamie with Harper, Adley and Kai. And there was, and there was, and there was, and there was. There was family after family after family after family after family after family. Watch this. Working together on their section of the wall. Watch this. Nehemiah didn't stop in the face of opposition. Nehemiah put people to work. See, if the enemy could have stopped them, if the, if the enemy could have came and silenced them, then Nehemiah would have never had the clear direction about who needed to be where and what they needed to be doing. Let me tell you, the reason why some of your vision is stalled out is because you've been too busy talking to Sam Bally and Tobiah rather than putting people to work with your vision. My God, that was a word for somebody. I'm closing. I'm closing. I'm not doing an altar call tonight, but Brooke, you can come on to the keys. I want to close with this. Listen, listen. One of the greatest problems in the church is this, that we organize work towards things rather than organize work for the purpose of people. Watch this. I need you to catch that again. That in the church, we organize work towards things. Oh, we, we want a bigger building. Let's work for the bigger building. Oh, we, 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 want, we want a better facility. We want a playground. We want a, we want a um, basketball court. We want a, and what we're doing is we will work towards things rather than strategize with people. Here, let me put it in layman's turn for you. God told me this. He said, I haven't called you to build buildings. I called you to build people. He said, you build people and people will build buildings. Too many ministries are too worried about building buildings. And God's saying, I never told you to take them and build buildings. I told you to take them and build them. My God, my God, my God. See, ne Nehemiah delegated the work because people needed a purpose. Watch this. Nehemiah didn't do it out of tradition. Nehemiah knew. Nehemiah knew that these families would have something to invest in it. That they were doing it for their grandkids. That they were doing it for their aunts and uncles that weren't yet in the city. They were doing it for those that were to come. And here's the amazing part, that if you'll read Nehemiah, you'll find out that Nehemiah went to people's houses. 
And when they came out of the house, he told them, he said, you work on this section of the wall. In other words, he said, you focus on the section in front of your wall. I came to tell Dominion Church tonight, you focus on the section in front of your house. You focus on the section in front of your house. And if you focus on the section in front of your house, and you focus on the one in front of yours, and yours, and yours, and yours, when it's all done, the wall is built. It's not this one having to run here and do this and this one having to run here. It's all I got to do is worry about my section. See, delegation is not draining. Delegation is empowering. I love what Jackie Hatcher said years ago in ministry with me. He said, we have to learn to make sure we tell everybody that we don't tell anybody no. And that's really become something that I've engrafted into the ministry. That if you come and there's a section of the wall that you feel like God's told you to build, this is what your proper order is. You come to leadership, you tell them, we're not going to tell you no, but we may say not here. We may say, hey, we need a section of the wall, but it's actually more closer to your house. It's more in front of who you are. Don't go try to build something that you have no understanding in. Watch this. The Bible says that Nehemiah put them in place of the wall. Do you know that in today's church, we got people say, I can't believe he tried to tell me what to do. You need leadership. You need leadership. You need people who will speak into your life and tell you, work on this, focus on that, build this, don't do that. You need people that will tell you what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Do you understand, though I'm a leader, even amongst leaders, I have other ministries, but you understand that I'm not a leader by myself? Do you understand that I have leaders above me? Do you understand that I have my own covering, that there's a ministry that covers me because I don't believe in being rogue? I don't believe in being just out there by myself? I believe in proper order. I believe, and if we're going to build something, we have to build what's in front of us. I got to hurry, I got to hurry, I got to hurry. Watch this. Delegation, delegation. I'm talking about delegation now because the chain is only as strong as the weakest link. Watch this. Quit worrying about everybody else's link. Here's my question to you tonight Are you forged? Are you strong? Quit worrying about, well, I don't like the way that he sings, and I don't like the way that she leads this study, and I don't like... You're worried about everybody else's weakness when there could be a chink in your chain. There could be a chip in your link. And while you're worried about everybody else's... See, if we all just focus on our own link... I had a vision tonight. I almost did this tonight. But I had a vision in this that I would take a chain. And little did you know it would be two pieces of chain and I would take aluminum foil and I would make one link in the chain out of aluminum foil. And y'all would think it's a solid chain, but the moment that I snatch on it, the weakest part would have broke. And the truth of it is, is that's the way it is in the kingdom that we have to understand that just because you look like you can carry it, you won't never know you can carry it until the pressure's applied. Then you find out that we are only as strong as our weakest link. 
Everyone, can I tell you this? I want to say this. Everyone has a part in the section of the wall. Here at Dominion Church, we preach a message of time, talent, and treasure. It's the concept of partnership. How do you know you're a partner of Dominion Church? It's time, talent, and treasure. And here's the amazing thing. You can give something into every one of those things. You can give some of your time. You can give some of your talent. Here's the amazing thing. You don't have to be able to sing to give talent. You don't have to be able to preach to give talent. You don't have to be able to, to serve in the merch store to give talent. You can be the most anointed diaper changer in the sanctuary. But give that. Whatever you got, give it. Give your time. Give your talent. Now give your treasure. See, I have people in my life, they tell me this. They say, you know, I'm just not at a place where I can serve. I'm not at a place where I can do. But I can do these two things. I'm committed to praying for you, Pastor, you and your family. And I'm committed to giving financially into the ministry. I can't serve. I can't stand at first impressions. I can't greet people. I can't, I can't get up here and lead worship. But I can pray for you and your family. That's a giving of time and talent as far as I'm concerned. And then I'm going to sow financially into the ministry. See, what would happen if we all focused on just our section of the wall with time, talent, and treasure? What would happen if we worried about, am I serving? Am I giving what God has given me back to Him for His glory? And am I consistently giving and contributing financially towards the work of this ministry? Watch this. Nehemiah positioned somebody in every single place of the wall. The next thing that he did, watch this, is he praised those who worked hard. Read the Bible. He praised those who worked hard. But watch this. He passed over those that didn't. The Bible says, and we read it in our, in our, in our verse, I think it was somewhere around verse 5 or verse 6, it talks about the te Teokites. T-E-K-O-I-T-E-S. And he doesn't even give them a half of a verse because the Bible says that they refuse to work with the construction supervisors. That's, that's how, oh my God, that's how they were remembered in the story. That's how they were remembered in the story. If you're saved, you need to be serving. We're getting ready to, the beginning of this month, we're getting ready to launch back out into Growth Track. And if you don't know, Growth Track is our onboarding for how you really become a part of Dominion Church. It's going to be on Sunday mornings now at 9.30 in the Epic Youth Room. They'll serve you coffee and donuts. They'll love on you and make you feel really good and at home. But you're going to learn about the mission, the vision, the purpose, the calling, not just of Dominion Church, but why did God create you? You're going to learn about what it is that the ministry believes, but you're going to learn about what it is you believe and how to become all that God has called you to be. Stand with me all over the house. I want to pray for you. I'm going to have you sit back down after this for announcements, but I want to feel led to have you stand so I can pray for you. Listen to me tonight. I understand that I am speaking to people. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm speaking to some people tonight that live in a constant face of opposition. And let me, let, me, let me encourage you. 
The only reason why the opposition is there is the opposition is confirmation that you're doing what God's called you to do. I have learned that my life is, is some, I, my head goes on swivel if something ain't wrong. I, I'm t- come on. Y'all don't really understand the apostolic, I'm telling you. Because when everything's right, my head is, which way is it coming? Where's the fiery dart coming from now? There ain't no way that I've been out of this fire for 36 seconds and I haven't taken another hit yet. Because I live with vision in mind every day of my life. I'm contending, I'm striving, I'm fighting, I'm forcing, I'm moving, I'm shaking, I'm building, I'm equipping, I'm delegating, I'm, I'm instructing, I'm empowering, I'm raising up, I'm releasing every day of my life. I go to bed thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it. It's it's constantly living in the conviction of the calling of God. But with it comes an extreme amount of opposition. And I just want some of you to know this tonight. That the only reason why Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem showed up is because you are exactly where God wanted you to be. And you are doing exactly what God wanted you to do. That the opposition is your opportunity to wage war the way that God called you to wage war.